You work hard to build your business. And as a smart and savvy entrepreneur, you understand the importance of protecting your business. This podcast is brought to you in part by True Shield Insurance Incorporated, underwritten by Northbridge General Insurance Corporation. True Shield Insurance was made for you. It takes a hands-on approach and understands the startup community's culture and needs. Get coverage insurance for your startup starting at just $29 per month. Visit trueshieldinsurance.ca today and get the right insurance solution for your business needs. Welcome to Startup Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Matt Allen, and today is April 5th, 2016. In the news this week, a major success for Toronto's BitStrip last week, as the popular social app Snapchat acquired the comic strip for $100 million US. Zone Startups Calgary launched last week in partnership with GE Canada and Ryerson Futures Incorporated. The city welcomes the new accelerator, bringing new innovators to the community to foster startup growth. Waterloop, a Waterloo startup startup is one of 22 teams globally competing to create a prototype for a SpaceX Hyperloop track. The team expects to test their design in California later in the year. Statistics Canada reported that the Canadian economy grew by 0.6% in the month of January, doubling the predicted 0.3% by economists. Win Mobile founder and rideshare company Uber are the latest speakers and brands to be announced for Startup Canada Day on the Hill. It's taking place May 5th in Ottawa. Get your tickets at startupcan.ca. Startup Newsweek is brought to you by Steadfast Beta, Canada's most effective user testing platform. Use Steadfast Beta to talk with users, perform usability testing, and conveniently analyze data all in one place. What are you waiting for? Visit steadfastbeta.com today. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. 
Look, we are thrilled to have as our guest today, Boris Wirtz, one of North America's top early stage investors and founder of Version One Ventures. And today we're going to discuss the makings of an, of an investor, the ins and outs of Canada's finance environment for startups, going to get an investor's view on trends, challenges and opportunities, and where we should be heading as entrepreneurs and as a nation also. And we're going to discuss how Canada can take that startup visa to the next level to bring top talent to grow our startup scene and really interesting conversation. So for this entrepreneur turned investment, sorry, investor strategy is the name of the game with a portfolio that includes over 60, that's right, six zero early stage consumer internet and enterprise companies. Boris sure knows a thing or two about startups or a thing or two or 60 about startups before taking the investment world by storm. Boris founded Just Books and then acted as COO when it was purchased by abooks.com. The company was later sold to Amazon in 2008. Boris, you're a busy man. Things are happening, but welcome to the show, my friend. Happy to be on the show and excited about the, the next 30 minutes here. Cool, cool. Well, let's kick it off. Uh, you know, uh, I just gave a little bit of an overview. Tell us about yourself and the days before this journey, where you're born, you know, what, how you got to be an entrepreneur. I mean, people just love that story and, uh, and, you know, really introduce us to Boris Wirtz. And remember, we talked about this story. You got a wine in your hand and <laughs> I got a wine in my hand. So, so, uh, everything's open for conversation, my friend. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so originally from Germany was, was born in Germany and lived there. Um, the, actually the first 30 years of my life, um, I, uh, I started an internet company uh, called Just Books, which was an online marketplace for used rare out-of-print books in 99. And kind of, uh, it was kind of internet 1.0 kind of <laughs> bubble, bubble times. It was an exciting ride. Um, yeah. So sold that company to, um, to Eight Books, uh, which was based in Victoria, BC in, in 2001 and then came over here. Um, actually never intended to stay in Canada. I thought like, you know, let's, let's come over here for one or two years. Um, get to know the country, um, help the company scale, and actually met my wife, and the rest is history. So um, uh, love kicks in. It always is the big one, isn't it? Here we go. And then yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, so I stayed on uh, un until we sold the company to Amazon in in two thousand in two thousand eight. Um, then switched on the other side um, and, and started investing, and you know did four years of an angel as angel investor. Um, you know, kind of fine-tuned my investment thesis, learned about, um, you know, how, how different it was from, from being an entrepreneur and being an investor, and then uh, raised a proper venture capital fund in, um, in 2012. We're now investing out of our, our second fund. Um, it's called Version 1 Ventures. We're an early stage $35 million uh, fund that invests in, in, in tech and mobile opportunities across North America. Very cool. And before I forget, um, can, do you have a website that uh, folks who are listening across uh, across the country on this podcast as to where they can get access to that uh, organization? Yeah, so it's version1.vc. Awesome. Very cool. Well, look, uh, being a successful venture capitalist uh, means knowing when to advise 
and when to kind of ease off, when to criticize and and when to push management, uh, the executive team to think bigger, all while remembering you are a coach, not a player. Now, I didn't say that. You said that. Let's talk about this delicate dance. Tell us, tell us, you know, what makes a what makes a great investor founder relationship that balance that dance? Yeah. So so I think it's a it's a lesson that I learned the hard way. I think if you come into the investing career as an entrepreneur, you in the in the first few years, you you more act like a player than a coach because mm. you see this great opportunity, you would love to jump in there, and like this this the entrepreneurial blood is still rushing uh, in your body, and um, you you start getting very actively involved in in a, in a company, and it, that's just not the the right thing to do. Basically, as an investor, you need to pick the teams you want to back, and then you need to advise them and help them. But you should never kind of um, you know, be, be the player again. And uh, um, you know, it's, so as I said, it's it's something I learned over the years. It took me some time to kind of find the right spot, spot in there. But ultimately, I think that the role of an investor is really not being um, kind of the player, not being an amplifier of of emotions, but uh, kind of being that that steady hand that gives you the right advice at the right time. And, and sometimes that means. It's really tough love and and tough tough feedback on what is not going right. Sometimes you need to cheer up the entrepreneurs when when things are not not great. Um, but uh, ultimately, you need to be that long term partner that is is always in their corner and and always kind of pushes them forward and and helps them achieve the next goal. I'm always interested, Boris, in the the formal approach to that ad- advisor role um, in your investments. Is is it informal? You kind of just in and out, or is there actually a structure of advisement that goes into uh, you know when when you kick in and really are that advisor uh, with the with the companies you are now investing in? You know, I think it's really it, it really depends on the situation. You know, sometimes we sit on the board of a company and then we have a much more formal relationship. But sometimes the company is so early that it's, you know, decisions kind of and come, come up on a weekly basis where you need quick feedback and quick advice. And, you know, it's right. more jumping on a quick call or um, sending a quick email and, and having a quick email conversation. So I think it, it, it goes from from um, super informal to 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 very formal. And it also depends on the entrepreneur, you know, and and mm. and the the other investors involved. Sometimes, you know, we invest very early. We might be the only investor around the table, so we certainly um, get asked a lot. But as the company grows and gets other investors on um, around the table, you know, we step back and, and other investors kind of take the charge. Um, so it really depends on on all of these factors. Is there a uh, is there a minimum that you look for of other investors that are on the same journey as you, or have you been known to go solo? Um, so a- again, I think it depends. We're 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 completely comfortable um, writing the only check if we believe in the opportunity and the team. Um, having mm-hmm. said that, it's usually great to have other smart people around the, the the table that roll up the sleeves and help the the, the company. So whenever we find um, co-investors, great co-investors in a, in a, in a business, we, we love to invite them and, and uh, get them on board. But, you know, as I said, like sometimes you might be the only believer in the opportunity and then, um, you'll, you'll, you're the only one around the table and we're, we're happy to do that as well. 
Yeah, very cool. So when you uh, when you begin those those stages of discovery, I'll call them. Um, what are the the key trigger points that you say, okay, uh, this is this is really cool. I want to start dating this group so I can find out a little bit more about them. What makes a company uh, at that point investable in your mind? I mean, first of all, I think at the early early stages. It all, you know, depends on the entrepreneur and the kind of the, the entrepreneurial team. Like when we see people that um, are hardworking, are smart, they have a big vision, uh, have an uh, extremely good ability to communicate that vision, we get interested. And and you know that sometimes ideas we never really thought were were markets uh, or we're addressing a need in the market. Um, so I think that's where it really all starts, like an amazing team that you want to spend time with because they tell you something interesting that you never really seen before. I mean, as you then dig in, you know, you, you think about, can you really create value with that approach in the market? How big is that market? How big can that, that opportunity be? But reality is at the stage we're investing, which is very early, so many things will, will change. Markets will develop. Um, and, and so you shouldn't put too much emphasis on on kind of these these the, the two other other points it's more the entrepreneurial team that just thinks in a, in a very interesting way around a, a problem that they they want to solve or already have solved it for 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 a market what's what's i find interesting in that is that a common theme uh, from uh, venture investors like yourself is that team 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 uh, like 99% say that do you still find that there are still investor or uh, companies that want to uh, have you invest in their company that come to you even though they know that they always lead with other things first versus the team oh yeah for sure i mean um i, I think the, 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 the general belief that the idea counts a lot and is kind of exclusive and proprietary and should be protected um, from, from anybody else, I think is, is, is a core belief of many entrepreneurs, right? And mm. um, I think it's, it's just when, when, when you, you know, I, I would uh, probably like 15, 20 years ago when I was an entrepreneur, I, I certainly also believed that the entrepreneur, the, the idea was much more important than than the execution down the road, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's a natural behavior that if you if you have not as broad of an experience, you overvalue the idea over the team, um, and that's always kind of. But that's the feedback we give entrepreneurs: like, listen, sure. uh, don't, yeah. don't worry too much about the idea. Like, rather focus on building an, an amazing team. And, and which, which, I mean, they are at that startup stage, so you would expect them not to be obviously perfect in their pitches. So, uh, yeah, good reinforcement of that. Um, so uh, the other question that's always burning is how does uh, an entrepreneur even begin the relationship with, the, with an investor like your group? Um, you know, what are the first steps that they would go through to, to connect and, and begin the dance? So, so I think there's really two steps that, that work really well. And, and, uh, sending a cold email is usually not one of them. <laughs> but um, so I think the two ways is a you get a really strong introduction from somebody, right? And you know the reality is that we get about we see about thirty to fifty opportunities a week. Um, wow! And um, you know you really want to stand out. So ask one of your angels, ask one of your investors ask uh, another entrepreneur uh, that has a good good relationship to to us for an introduction. I think that's always the best way. I think the second best way is 
to engage over um, social media. You know, we have people that um, have engaged on our blog through comments or on Twitter um, over the years. You, you almost get to know them through that and you mm. have great conversation over social media. And the moment that this person then reaches out and say, hey, by the way, now I'm in the market of, of raising funding, you're always going to take the pitch because you feel like you already know that person, you know what, yeah. what they think, what they're working on, et cetera, and you want to learn, learn more in a one-on-one in a, in a -on -one, uh, conversation. So that's, in my opinion, kind of the two ways you, you should do it. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's so obvious that sometimes it isn't so obvious to hang out, hang out with you guys for a while and just become friends and family and uh, and and get involved with the dialogue. And then when the opportunity comes about that you need to have a deeper conversation, it's a natural uh, progression to have that. Agreed. Awesome point. Um, you specialize in, in high growth startups. Um, taking that, uh, how does you establish a relationship to one step even further? What are your top three tips for entrepreneurs in the uh, in the high growth area regarding uh, connecting with you? Is there a, a magic that uh, pill, that, if you could call it that, that they say this is what you need to come with? No, I, I think ultimately it comes down. Yeah, so so let's take a step back. I think getting venture capital is not the uh, the ultimate uh, step and kind of the the one or be all that everybody should aspire to. I think what you should aspire to is building a company that is meaningful, that solves a problem that you care about, uh, and doing that with a team that you like working with, right? Right. Um, and then if if ultimately that means you have an opportunity that is venture fundable, that's even better and and going to allow you to scale this company a little bit quicker. So I think the, the 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 one thing I sometimes feel like people overestimate is the importance of venture capital. And venture capital ultimately is finance is about one percent of all opportunities. Mm. Um, there's many other ways to 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 finance um, um, startups and companies. If that is bootstrapping through revenues, if that is angels. Um, if that is crowdfunding, whatever it is, um, but but uh, you know, venture capital is not the the the, uh, the, the end all be all. And uh, but but if you if you think about raising venture capital, then I think you you should just paint a picture of how this can become a really really large company. And you know, our kind of benchmark is always like, can this be become a hundred million dollar revenue company within the next five to seven years, right? And that usually means you have figured out something that people really, really, really want. Um, and it's it's in a large underlying market. Um, you know, if if you work on a great opportunity that some people want and it's a, the underlying market is relatively small, I'm pretty sure you can build a great company, like a few millions in revenues, but it's just not a venture fundable company. Right, um, right, and and you just you probably waste your time talking to VCs uh, instead of um, building the company. You've got to be excited about the the changing landscape with regards to crowdfunding these days to help companies, uh, you know, one get started, of course, but also keep them moving along their journey as a as a potential um, uh, fueling ground for for uh, for your for your organization to invest in them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think any. Any means and any option, kind of, to get more funding to startups at the earliest stage is 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 good, right? And, and I think crowdfunding has especially worked well for hardware startups, where people were able to to back a product before it was in the market um, and kind of pre-ordered it, and 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 kind of startups raising money through that. 
I think that the one thing that uh, I'm a little bit more skeptical about is equity crowdfunding um, of, of startups. Um, you just have to be very careful what you communicate as the, the risk reward um, profile. Uh, investing in startups is very, very hard. Um, people need tons of experience to, to somehow become decent investors. They need to have a very broad portfolio of, of startups so that one out of 20 or one out of 30 actually uh, creates all the returns of, of in relation to the money you invested. Um, so if, if you know, crowdfunding leads to a situation where people that don't understand startup investing suddenly invest in startups, all of their savings, um, um, based on the, the hope that uh, the startup will be the next Facebook, then I think that's dangerous and just burns future investors. Um, so, uh, you know, it, I, I think you just have to kind of balance um, the, the good and the bad uh, of, of crowdfunding. Well, and I've, and I've uh, I went to a crowdfunding uh, presentation the other day. The Securities Commission here in New Brunswick was doing it, and and I asked them about that point about the uh, you know protecting the grandmother, if I could call it that, because all it's going to take is two or three of those bad situations from yeah. from the grandmother, and wow, there goes the industry. So yeah, yeah ex- excellent point. Is there is a responsibility from our part? Let, let's do a little bit of a pivot and talk about uh, talk about your hometown that you decided to stay in uh, after your uh, your planned two year trip to uh, to Canada. Um, you're an integral part of the entrepreneurship community in uh, in in Canada, but also specifically Vancouver. What's uh, what's exciting about the startup opportunities that are happening in Vancouver right now? So I think um, you know Vancouver is one of the top two or three places in um, in Canada. I mean, there's I think Toronto Wallu is probably number number one right now in terms of just activity and scale. Um, and then Vancouver, Montreal are kind of at, at, at the second and third spot. Um, this, there's, a, there's a bunch of really interesting startups that came out of Vancouver for the, for the last um, um, five, five, six, seven years. You know, Hootsuite is probably the most prominent, but companies right. like Unbounce, Clio, Indochino, Shoes.com, um, Allocadia. So, you know, very good companies that have, you know, scaled to hundreds of, uh, of, of employees. Um, at the same time, we have a, a bunch of large companies, internet companies uh, that set up development shops here. So Amazon has hundreds of, of uh, engineers working now in Vancouver, uh, Salesforce, uh, Facebook, Microsoft. Um, so there's a very, very solid um environment here of, of startups, bigger companies. Um, we're, we're very close to the valley. Um, you know, it's a two hour flight. So there's a, there's a natural connection to the flight to, to, to the valley. And, um, so I'm excited about the, the opportunities. Having said all that, I, I certainly wish there were even more startups, even more entrepreneurs. And, uh, I think everybody here is working hard to kind of, um, in, increase the level of deal flow, the the, the level of, of opportunities, the the level of entrepreneurs that we, we have in this town. Well, you, you talked about the the valley, and um, one of the questions I uh, wanted to talk to you about is west east ties versus the traditional north and south ties. Do you do you see a greater need for Canada as a nation to really focus on the on more in that direction, or is the way it going just fine? No, I think in in general, you know, listen. I think all of our companies. Um, 
and all of our investors are competing in a global market or at least a North American market, right? And the U.S. is clearly um, much further advanced, uh, especially the Valley, than than most of our our ecosystems here in Canada. So from that point of view, in in the spirit of learning, in the spirit of benchmarking ourselves against the best, um, I recommend everybody, if that is investor or entrepreneur, to uh, spend time in the U.S. You know, build your company in Canada. But be aware of what's going on uh, in the U.S. Um, benchmark yourself against the best companies, the best investors down there. And so the, the natural um, place to do so, if you're based in Vancouver, is the Valley. And the natural place uh, in, in Toronto is is, is certainly uh, New York. Encourage everybody to kind of look look further south uh, for for inspiration and uh, and guidance. It's, it's it's interesting that uh, you know we we ask that question. Yet the traditional trading routes have always been north south. They've never been east west anyway. So so your uh, your reference point is bang on for how traditionally we uh, we conduct commerce between between these two countries. So um, uh, uh, talking about business from a east west perspective, what about trends that are happening in the west that maybe we uh, out east could uh, tap into? Um, you know, I mean, funny enough, I, I feel like every trend that we see is, is, um, uh, you know, it's happening on such a reduced scale that I wouldn't really call it a trend. It might be just a one-off <laughs> event. Right? right. And, and, you know, I think that's, that, that's unfortunately kind of the reality in, in any of the startup ecosystems in, uh, in, in Canada, we just don't have to scale where I would say, um, anything is 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 a is a trend. Um, right. But having said that, I think what what is really happening in Vancouver that that I like it's it's a pretty tight startup community where people work together. Um, and um, you know, in in general, I, I think we we came from a place where there was a lot of um, duplication of effort in the past, and I think we've gotten better at kind of consolidating these things and working together. So I think it's a winning formula for 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 every ecosystem. Uh, it's it's hard to achieve because there's different interests and different um, you know people that have have come from different places. But um, g- generally, kind of pulling in the same direction and and avoiding duplication of effort, I think is is super helpful for any any startup ecosystem. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So, um, Boris, I want to now do another pivot. Um, uh, you were quite instrumental in bringing to life the startup visa. Um, for those in the audience uh, that are listening today who don't know, can you kind of give us a you know an exact summary of what the startup visa is and how does it work? Yeah, so so um, it, it really came out of a very concrete situation here in uh, in Vancouver. We had invested in a company. Um, that was founded by um, entrepreneurs from Romania. And these guys were on business visas and basically had to leave the country every six months to renew their visa and always run the risk of not being able to come back. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the idea was like, listen, there's, there's uh, some great entrepreneurs that have raised money from um, you know, very good investors, including Valley investors, that wanted to build a company in, in Canada, and we made it really hard for them to stay here and get a visa or kind of a permanent residency. And so the idea was, you know, can can we start a program where um, entrepreneurs that get funding from accredited investors in Canada um, get a fast track to permanent residency? And uh, you know, we 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 uh, we we put out um, that idea, and 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 the federal government. 
um, jumped on it very quickly and uh, implemented as the kind of startup Visa Canada. Very cool. Well, I've, I'm sure you're well aware of the uh, the Chile uh, program that's going on there. Yeah, correct. They're doing an amazing job. Amazing yeah, job. Yeah, I think there. there, there's yeah. a few countries that have jumped on similar ideas, right? The UK is, is far ahead in this. Um, the US has been discussing it for a long time and could never get it passed through the um, through Congress. But, um, you know, they're, they're thinking about something like that. So, yeah, I think ultimately it makes sense. Like, listen, if, if, if you believe that you want to build a a strong tech economy in your country, then what better way of attracting uh, talented and, and ambitious entrepreneurs from abroad to to build this company in, in, in your in your country? Yeah, right on. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, because <laughs> we're we're no longer it's no you no longer have the luxury of uh, of keeping within your own borders. So um, so what is working and not working with the startup visa program? So uh, so what is working? I think we've we've been able to uh, get get a few entrepreneurs on a fast track to uh, to uh, permanent residency, and they've been been using that stability to build. Um, solid companies here in, in Canada. I think what is not yet working is the scale we had imagined. So there's there's about 2,700 spots a year uh, for that program. And you know, while I don't have the official numbers, I, I think like right now it's probably more in the dozens of of uh, sort of visas per year that 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 are being handed out. Um, so I think there's an opportunity that right now is not properly. Uh, used and and part of the problem is that Canada as a as a country to build your tech startup doesn't yet have the brand uh, abroad. So I think um, from time to time we get amazing entrepreneurs that that choose Canada to to uh, to build a tech startup, but most of the people, most of the foreign entrepreneurs, still think about the Valley or the U.S. in general as as the place to start. Um, so I think we have to do a better job of marketing this opportunity and and uh, changing the mindset of of people abroad where where they should build their their uh, startup. Well, part of the uh, part of the program, correct me if I'm wrong, is is VCs get to sponsor uh, people who are organizations they think would be uh, appropriate to to take advantage of that program. Is that part of the challenge too? Is is not only motivating but educating the the uh, the VC community to uh, to grab onto it? Yeah, I mean, and and and. I, I fully agree. I mean, I think whenever you launch a new program, it, it takes some education, some time to kind of uh, get everybody on the same page. I think the challenge is a little bit for VCs that if an opportunity comes in, this is a very, very early opportunity from a team that you don't really know. Um, so sometimes it feels like the VCs might not be the right people to uh, um, the right first step to back these people. Accelerators and angels might be uh, might be, uh, you know, a, a much better choice. So I, I, you know, there's a few efforts, um, going on in this country where people have, uh, thought of building early stage fund, really, really early stage funds, uh, or accelerator programs around startup visa Canada. I think that's going to be the right way to scale it. Um, mm -hmm. not necessarily the VCs like version one, that invests mm. a little bit at a later stage. We would be kind of the next guys investing in it, right. not right. necessarily the guys that uh, take take these very very early opportunities. Was that uh, when you were helping to start it? Was that part of your recommendation to include the VCs for part of the qualification, or was that done without yeah. your recommendation? No, I think no, I think that was always the idea. Was always that uh, basically the, the 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 qualifier for getting a permanent residency and kind of 
um, the qualifier for, for a startup right. visa would be an investment from an accredited um, um, investor in Canada. And that could be right. VC, angel, or accelerator. Um, right, right, right. I think it turns yeah. out that VCs are probably not the, the, the ones that are going to jump on most of the opportunities. So I think we just need to build out the other two layers uh, and, and focus them a little bit more on the opportunities around startup visa. Yeah, and that's a good point. There are other two other layers that we can take advantage of. So um, let's let's skip over to funding, and uh, you know, you, you hear uh, you hear two extremes: funding's available, to funding isn't available. Um, you're intimate to that environment. From your perspective, what's this? What's the state of the funding environment for Canadian startups right now? So you know, I think you hear in every single ecosystem you hear about. Um, the you know funding is not enough. Funding is plenty, right? And it really depends on kind of what what take on the situation you have. So first of all, you know I said that before, like venture capital is only there for about one percent of of all startups, like the real high growth, high potential startups. And reality is that um, they're always going to be disappointed entrepreneurs that that don't get funding from VCs, um, and and potentially don't fully realize that they didn't have a chance in the first place because their startup was just not a VC fundable startup and they just should have looked for other um, sources of funding. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, what are venture fundable businesses and, and reality is also not every business should get funding. I mean, it's, it's, right. um, you know, there, there's tons of good ideas out there, but um, there's also ton, tons of not so good ideas out there. And, and uh, it's just natural that those shouldn't get, get, get funding. Um, Having said all that, I think it was never easier to raise money uh, in Canada once you reach a certain scale. Um, a, uh, domestically, we've seen uh, a, a bunch of new funds coming up, um, partly through the VCAP program that the uh, the past government put on, where they put uh, put um, funds into the venture capital, the domestic venture capital system, partly because almost every single USVC has has uh, uh, is now interested in investing in Canada and and things like there's great opportunities here. I think where it is still uh, pretty challenging is on the early stages. You know, we just don't have a very broad and deep angel network. Um, we we don't really have a lot of really early stage VCs. Um, so I think that's probably still the, the the more challenging part. Once you scale to a Series A uh, and you're doing well, then um, there's plenty of money available. Yeah. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting. I, I, I got to ask you though, um, if if the if the probability of success is at that one percent, how do you still encourage people to reach out and to uh, you know explore opportunities with 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 your organization? Because as someone that's never been at that level, I said, oh my God, one percent. Why even bother? Because it's ninety nine percent against me. Is it because people are more educated, uh, more understand that it's worth the journey at that point, or you know, you understand but, my question? Yeah. But but have you ever seen an entrepreneur that wouldn't go shoot for the moon? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good comeback, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's uh, listen, I mean, and, and it's not that obvious at the beginning if, you know, not always that obvious. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, uh, I, I have the absolute wisdom, what is VC fundable or not. I mean, the reality is that we are wrong many, many times. That's part mm-hmm. of um, being an investor. And um, so from that point of view, you know, it's not that we have the absolute wisdom. We might pass on our company because we think it's not VC fundable and the next guy does the deal and it be- 
turns out to be an amazing company. Right, so, right. so from that point of view, what what sounds like like uh, black and black and white right now is very gray and in, in, in many aspects. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's one of my favorite sayings: "Business isn't black and white; it's gray." Just reinforce that. So, um, I've given. I'm going to give you a magic wand, and it's yours to keep if you want to. And I want you to wave that magic wand, and uh, you've got to build Canada with that wand into a world leading entrepreneurial powerhouse. What are the two things you would definitely do with that magic wand? So, so I really think that. Ultimately, this is all about talent, right? And the two ways we can increase um, the quality and the quantity of talent, entrepreneurial talent in this in, in this in this uh, country is a um, open up our borders for more entrepreneurs, and you know that mm-hmm. kind of uh, kind of continues on that discussion around Startup Visa Canada. But I think we need to market this this country as the best place to build um, a startup. Um, and then secondly, double down on education, um, and especially technical education, um, science education. Um, you know, when you look at what is happening in Waterloo, um, and the amazing amount of talent, entrepreneurial talent that is coming out of that, um, university where like there's, there's startup entrepreneurs that work on very hard problems and trying to fix them. I wish we had like 10 Waterloo's in Canada and, Mm. and actually, um, I think we can, right? And so um, that would be my two wishes. Like, let's let's make this this uh, country the best place for any entrepreneur around the world um, to to build his startup. And uh, and secondly, let's have ten Waterloo's and and double down on education and great universities, uh, especially in the kind of technical areas. It ties right into. Uh uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's comment at Davos: uh, we, we may not have the, uh, we're not just resources, we're resourceful, and yeah. uh, you just put out the challenge there. I love it, very very cool. Well, look, Borst, uh, this has been an incredible, insightful uh, conversation, and uh, I've got one question that's in front of me that I'm supposed to ask, but I'm not going to ask it. I want to ask another one, and it has to do with Startup Canada. Um, and uh, you've been obviously introduced, exposed been part of the journey and so on for our listeners that are on here for maybe the first time uh what's the value of hanging out with startup canada for them from your perspective yeah so so i think in general one of the things that we're missing in 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 canada or not missing but we're probably not as weak as is uh um, passing on knowledge from entrepreneur to entrepreneur right and that can sometimes happen on a one-to-one basis um, because it's the guy you're 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 hanging out at the coffee shop uh, and that working on an interesting problem and you kind of exchange knowledge and that's kind of a lot of things that are happening in 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 the valley kind of these continuously continuous knowledge exchanges or it can happen through platforms like uh, uh, startup canada where um um, you know, you have a platform that kind of connects entrepreneurs across the country, right? So from that point of view, I think everything that every single initiative from the one-to-one to the broad platform that helps connect entrepreneurs, uh, enables peer learning, uh, inspires new people to, um, to become entrepreneurs is a, is a good thing. Um, so from that point of view, um, th- thanks for, for a great job. 
Yeah, well, it's a, it's a real team effort, as as you know, and they they do do a good job. It's a, uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of the founding board members, and one of the things we were adamant about was the uh, is that government's welcome to be part of the journey, but they're not going to be the journey. And they've been very uh, honest to that uh, direction right from the very beginning, and um, and it shows through their success. Well, my friend, uh, this has been a very very appreciative time with you, and uh, very very insightful. Uh, uh, and I know that there's some really cool nuggets that uh, that you've brought into the show today that uh, many of our listeners are going to be able to take and, and help them be successful for all kinds of uh, areas that we touched on. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Boris. Uh, it's been a great pleasure. Perfect. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day. Well, this has been Boris Wirtz, top early stage investor and founder of the venture capital firm Version One Ventures. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. What goes in your mind? I mean, that's a bold thats a bold statement to take on the big guys. I mean, I admire that, and I love what's going on with fintech right now. I just i just love it that the banks are, are, are really right. starting to be disrupted. It's going to be freaking awesome to watch that journey. But what goes through your head? Do you wake up one morning and say, you know what, I, gotta, I can really make something here? Or was it a period of a year, two years, or what, that you, you, you tried to figure this out? Because I say, it's a bold freaking move to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it great. And it's great. Well, you know, as, I, as, as many uh, investors I approached said, you know, uh, like <laughs> I got a lot of no's when yeah. I approached investors that came here to start up wind. And I remember one investor group and I'll, I'll they'll remain na- nameless today, but uh, I walked into a, one of Canada's largest uh, institutional investors, pension funds and laid down the whole story. I mean, here's the history. I'm an entrepreneur, started from zero in 98, built up a good you know, uh, company. Here's where I am in 2008. I wanna, I wanna uh, you know, take on several hundred million dollars of investment from you guys to start competing head to head with Bell, Tellus and Rogers. And they, I, 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 no word of a lie, Rivers. <laughs> Are you suicidal? <laughs> What's the actual yeah, Nobody Are does you, that, yeah. <laughs> This is Are a David against Goliath you're, story. You're going to destroy the business you built. You know, why don't you go back to your little cute, you know, corner of the telecommunications market? Yeah. You're not going head to head with the big guys. So, you know, what, what got me, to, I, I guess the answer to that question you just asked is I spent a long time 
sort of uh, building up a track record of starting up companies. And I learned a lot along the way. I didn't have any relationships or access to capital or uh, you know, special contacts in the industry when I started out. So I always say this to young entrepreneurs, you know, I didn't, look, my story is one of starting out with, with nothing and, mm -hmm. and really truly starting from zero in terms of brand equity, track record, relationships, capital. I didn't start with anything. And it shows that, you know, if you, if you, as you, if you build a successful track record, when we got to 2008, I was able to secure the financing I needed to start when, uh, right. not because I just, you know, over that period of 2008 sort of got my act together from a business planning perspective. I, I was talking to investors about, look, here's a 10 year track record of building uh, companies uh, successfully. And I think that's that's the message for young entrepreneurs that I try to relay is that, you know, we're all talking about unicorns and, you know, amazing moonshot stories these days. And, and I, I really try to bring the focus back to, you know what, good old fashioned, you know, consistent hard work actually uh, and, and a track record actually is, is also, you know, a great path to success.